It's another episode of Mentors for Military, and I'm here at 75th Ranger Regiment sitting around with a bunch of cool guys. And, of course, we're going to get into RMIB, and which is one of the comp, uh, topics that I know a lot of you guys have uh, reached out about, the uh, Military Intelligence Battalion that's here. So before we do that, though, let's go around the room and kind of just give you guys an opportunity to share a little bit about um, your name and your background, let the folks hear your voice and get comfortable with it. Hey, thanks for that intro. Uh, real excited to talk about the Ranger Intelligence uh, Battalion here. And uh, so first off, I'm Tim Sikora, uh, the Lieutenant Colonel uh, here in charge of the Intelligence Battalion. I am a Cyber Electronic Warfare Officer. Wow, that sounds like, you know, hardcore right there. Yeah, uh, well, it's, uh, you collect a couple pieces of paper and feel pretty good about yourself. Uh, originally from Canton, Ohio, and uh, have a long story, obviously, hitting about 19 years in the military and could tell that story as we go on here. Yeah, definitely. Hey, I'm Tyree Tucker. I'm the Command Sergeant Major for this fine organization. I've been in about 20 years now. I'm actually from El Paso, Texas. come from a military family. Oh, Hey, thanks for the uh, the introduction. Uh, Major John Lamaro. I'm from Andover, Massachusetts. Uh, right now, I'm the battalion executive officer, but next year I'll be the regimental senior intelligence officer for uh, for the whole regiment. So happy to be here and, and talk about MI. Good stuff. Jim. All right, and I'm CW3 Jim Pooler, uh, and you know I grew up in the Chicago area, but you know like. I can only claim Chicago because it's the closest thing. Everything else, uh, you know, in that area, they'd be like, wait, where are you from? Oh, Gurney, Gurney Mills? Yeah, okay. And then, of course, anybody that went through Great Lakes Naval Station, God bless your soul, because, you know, I saw you every weekend and you dressed white, so. Uh, But, yeah, I really appreciate it, Robert. It's great to be here. Yeah, no, um, I'm thankful that you guys invited me down and we get a chance to talk about stuff that's within regiment because I believe most people, and I I guess you guys would agree as you're talking to individuals about, you know, regiment or just in the Army, um, but specifically about the regiment, only think about infantry. And, you know, we touched a little bit on medics. That was an organization that we did a podcast episode on. Uh, We've talked about, you know, pre-RASP and RASP and and all of this stuff like that through uh, previous episodes while here. But they only think of infantry being really rangers. And it was one of the things that Jim and I were talking about at lunch that... Um, as you start walking around this area and this compound and stuff, you see people that wear the same beret, have the same scroll, and you don't see, you know, necessarily what their MOS, you know, what their MOS is. They're they're just a ranger. It's a it's a, how it should be, right? But there's a lot of different uh, MOSs, people, skills, and stuff that come into play to make this whole machine work. And this is definitely one of them. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great great point, Robert, that, you know, when, when you look at the Ranger Regiment writ large, you know, there is kind of that understanding, oh, okay, that is an elite, you know, light infantry unit, and then it kind of stops there, right? And what I found, you know, throughout my career, um, most of my career has been in special operations, so I I got to see the Ranger Regiment from, from the outside looking in, and I just, you know, the discipline, the... You know, professionalism and everything about the regiment was was alluring and then you know as my career went on within you know the community i got to realize that just like you said a ranger is a ranger mm-hmm. and that you know there are components and specialties in each is within you know your mos for the ranger regiment but you're a ranger at this at the end of the day and so there isn't you know some some organizations have differentiation where oh you're the show because you're the you're 
the tip of the spear or because you you serve the main purpose of that organization, you know, if you're a pilot or whatever the case may be. But, you know, we're, we are all, we're all rangers and we all have our special skills that, that we contribute to as a team, right? Yeah. And I think that's, that's really the magic of being here is that, that team concept. You talked about it a little bit during lunch. I mean, you know, coming from, say, 160th, where most people think of 160th being a pilot, and the same thing is here. Uh, with rangers, they typically think infantry. We're going to kind of break that whole myth, though, in this conversation, because I think there's a whole lot um, to really uncan. And when you start looking at, you know, your skills and stuff that are spread along this regiment, um, like I mentioned, everybody has kind of a role. But this is relatively... This is a relatively new organization within regiment that maybe you guys can share about that timeline and how it, what made it come about? Because I think there's always a need to either kind of insource or outsource, but at some point there was a decision made of, okay, we got to bring that in house. Yeah, I think uh, that's a great place to start uh, talking about how we got to where we are now. We're uh, officially in the Army's eyes, just a year, a little over a year old, or just under a year old, actually, from June of last year in the uh, summer of 2020, when we officially became a battalion. Um, I, what I'd like to actually start is go way back to a personal story of mine. Yes. With, uh, I started off as an infantry platoon leader in 1st Ranger Battalion back when all I knew that there was was there's guns and guys that ran real fast and, and broke things and did a lot of push-ups, right? And uh, with my infantry ranger platoon, you know, in 2005, we go and do a deployment or two um, there to Iraq. And at some point in that process, I said, you know, you realized... You, how do we find all these targets? We go on a couple targets every single night and wait, there, there's some guys behind that wall that find these targets for us, right? There, there's these individuals with special skills going on these targets with us that are doing the technical piece. And then somewhere later in my career, I said, you know what? I know what group I want to be part of. Mm. I want to learn a little more. I want to be one of those experts of that craft that find the targets that then do those more technical based skills and uh really interesting um and we'll go into a lot more of that but uh really exciting to see how how far we've come so now that we've just been a battalion um dialing back to our initial uh putting together i think uh, major john lamara was actually here as one of the guys that wrote some of that initial oh. what it's going to look like and the, good or bad one of the authors yeah, yeah. good or bad we, we we have his decisions uh, that we're dealing with on paper now <laughs> so, so yes sir back in uh 2015 i was the mi company commander uh here in the special troops battalion uh and a uh, now brigadier general evans but former rco colonel evans was like i want your company at scale um, I was like, that, that's crazy. There's, there's not enough people uh, want to be rangers in MI to, to make a battalion's worth. And he was like, Johnny, you build it, they will come. Um, so 2015, we started laying the groundworks. It uh, goes provisional for about two years. 2017, I, I leave. I come back in the summer of 2019, and it's, it's been running. And it's a 300-person you know, ranger MI battalion, uh, now official, full staff, uh, three companies, uh, cyber electronic, you know, magnetic activities, the, the Myco, but you know, and their company that has UAS, Humit, um, and all source, 
and then uh, an HHC where we have a oh, and jo- John, I forgot to add that everybody that uses an acronym is going to owe one push-up on the backside <laughs> of this. So every acronym we use that uh-huh. we fail to define, it's going to be uh, uh, keep the tally of push-ups that. going. That's really good, yeah. Well, I can go back then. <laughs> All right. So, so lay the groundwork. So we have a headquarters and headquarters company. That's where uh, I, I'm like the pseudo chief of staff. Lots of staff functions. Every company has one. No different here. Uh, the, the military intelligence company has a, a human platoon, an all-source platoon, and uh, a unmanned aerial systems, and, and a geospatial platoon. What's the human? The human is a human intelligence. So uh, they do a lot. They run around. Kind of, they, they're the James Bond of of our organization, or they think they are. Um, you know, kind of for say if we're, we're there's connected. a lot of healthy <laughs> healthy debates amongst the different intelligence specialties within the battalion. Uh, it keeps I everybody moving forward. But it, essentially, your interrogations and your source operations. Okay. For the humaners. Yep. What, what was the need? Why did they Why did they decide to do that here at this, especially at this scale? So, so, so great question, um, and maybe a, a personal story. So, I was serving in a, a special forces group as a battalion S two, and uh, one of my mentors, a field grade a major, came to me and was like, "You're you're really good at intel. Um, have you ever thought about going to the Ranger Regiment?" Uh, no, I'm a captain at the time, and I never thought about it. Didn't know anything about. I thought those were guys that ran fast and, and broke things overseas. Um, actually, got to see them overseas, and I was they would break my stuff, and I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Um, but he said, you need to go to the Ranger Regiment because they value intelligence. Organizationally, from the RCO down, they value intelligence uh, more than any other unit I've seen, and. and they, everyone's a ranger. Everyone's equal. Everyone has a tambourine. Everyone has the same selection process and the same, you know, accesses. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. That was about 2013, and I really never left because uh, it's true. Um, the commanders, senior leaders, senior NCOs here, everybody values intelligence. Uh, and I think General Evans at the time saw that, saw there wasn't enough to go around. There was, you know, if, if a captain was the highest you could progress uh, a company commander and then there was one major to be the the regimental s2 um he wanted more progression more nco progression um instead of being a first sergeant now you have sergeant major tucker an operations sergeant major so there was there was room to stay being a ranger but grow and, and get promoted and that was you know on all the ranks and all the the mos's was kind of the the, the premises of the of the creation and here, here we kind of all are sitting around, and uh, it, it works. Yeah, I mean, you know, somebody who just remembers, you know, regiment from days gone by, now hearing a 300-man battalion military intelligence is part of that whole operation that was only defined as first, second, third, you know, battalion. That was it. You were one, two, or three, and now, no, no, there's, there's another entity here, um, and, and just as large... Uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. And it's such a short time frame as well. I mean, really, you think about it from 2015, from there being a concept, to uh, we're sitting here in 2021, and you're fully manned and operational. And, and uh, yeah, that's that takes a lot of effort and a lot of manpower to get you to that point. Good write-up, obviously, in the very beginning. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I think it leads to the the concept of of ranger leaders care and value intelligence because you know maybe they ask my opinion on a couple pieces of paper, but General Evans, Colonel Tegmeyer, that staff, but you know you put the regimental staff and said I, I want an intel battalion, make it happen, and they weren't, you know. Hey, that's that's great. You know, he said it, but he's gonna he's gonna PCS soon, and, and we won't do it. They they took it and they made us, you know, the fifth Ranger Battalion uh, in this regiment. It's just so quickly. It just shows the level of dedication that the whole regimental staff and, and the regiment put towards it. And just like any army development, it has to be requirements based, and that's what the you know the RCOs at the time saw that requirement because back when I was doing raids, we had folks from you know, various uh, agencies and different folks we would augmentee to come do, help us find those targets. And when we say find the targets, you have the F3EAD, uh, and I will define it so that I don't have push-ups. <laughs> uh, so your push-ups find, fix, now. finish, exploit, analyze, disseminate process, we were having folks come in from all different all different organizations to help us find go through that process and then you just had these ranger platoons out and execute execute but then the idea was what's the requirement well what if ranger regiment had rangers to facilitate this entire process and and then the intelligence cycle on top of that mm-hmm. so now what the army has and john had walked through it a little bit there is we have the entire intelligence cycle within the mos's and i think we'll get around and talk to some about some of those individual mos's but um in how they influence every single part from finding the enemy uh or the targets to fixing them finishing them uh, and then the exploit that your finishes, those ranger platoons then, that, oh, by the way, still have some of our folks on their assault forces. Um, and then your exploit, exploitation, analysis, and then dissemination, all those things happen within individuals in our formation, which is pretty special. And there's not many... Uh, I, I'm always hesitant uh, as a bit of a novice statistician. I, I'm hesitant to say I'm the only one, but uh, there's not many like it. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit, uh, not necessarily the same as why the 160th came about, but there is a lot of you know similarities in the sense of you, you wanted to have your own intelligence. You wanted to have individuals that truly understood the Ranger mission, the lifestyle, what it takes, what we're trying to accomplish here, and the importance of what we're, we're doing in such a way that when we hit it, everybody was on the same track. And you want to believe that as a commander, but yet... You don't always know that everybody understands the commander's intent the same way from the same set of lens. This way, there's no misunderstanding. Everybody's understanding it from the same perspective. And, and I think um, that made a lot of sense uh, to bring it in. Initially, I will say that when I heard about it, I was thinking, really? I mean, do you, do you need to have that there? It just doesn't make you know a whole lot of sense until I started getting briefed a little bit more about it from somebody I knew. And, um, and when I started reaching into it and understanding a little bit better, like you guys were describing so well, it made a whole lot of sense there. Um, and now to see it, like I said, as big as it is, is uh, pretty awesome. So let's, we, we touched a little bit about the, some of the things that you guys do, but I'd love to dive in that a whole lot more. And even going back to 
you know, how does an individual get here? There's an AIT process and there's a set of MOSs that are within that that you guys are seeking specific to your mission set and what you're looking for at Ranger Regiment. So where, what are those MOSs, if you can touch lightly on that, and then where are those trained at? Yeah, absolutely. So for our a majority of our MOSs over at Fort Huachuca, we currently have an LNO that works over there, handles all the Ranger contracts. Uh, as you know, some individuals come through basic training on the Option 40 contract, so they're already earmarked for coming over here for what we call the RAS process for RAS 1. There's other individuals who don't know about that, so when they're over at AIT, um, their touch point is with our LNO that currently resides there. So at Fort Huachuca, you have our 35 mics that are there. Those are our human um, individuals. Then we have our CI personnel that are over there. There are 35 Limas as well as our 35 Foxes, which is our all-source analyst. Uh, you also have your 35 Gulfs, which are your geospatial analysts. A little bit different is um, not located over there is, is our terrain analysts. Mm -hmm. Those are 12 Yankees. They actually fall underneath the engineer branch, hmm. but there's a okay. recruiter who's over at there to connect them with that touch point as well to get them over here. Um, another location where we do primarily some of the intelligence training from AIT is down at San Angelo. Then down there, you'll have your 35 Novembers, that's primarily your SIGINT analyst, and then your 35 PAPAs, which are your, um, your, your collectors, your linguists, and stuff of that nature, and they'll be over at that location. And throughout the year, our recruiter will go from Fort Huachuca and over to San Angelo, kind of like ferry between both locations to try to make sure that we're able to collect the most talent. So that, that enables those individuals also to train with them. We have a PT program that we have over there to get people um, upstarted so they can get their skills from a physical fitness capability. Mm -hmm. So when they come over here to the RAS1 process, they can hit the ground running um, to meet the most success, uh, high success rates for them to enter the process over here. So that's through the RAS1 pipeline. Also accompanied over there at Fort Huachuca is primarily a lot of our lieutenants over there. That's where we have um, the basic officers, leaders, course, Bullock. So those individuals as well are able to utilize that same touch point um, with our recruiter. And also nested in there, you know, as individuals go through their NCO academies. So for all of our intelligence professionals, the NCO academies are all over at Fort Huachuca primarily. So that allows us to continue to widen the aperture when we continue to market for, for new talent, new growth, and all that. That's, that's facilitated over in that particular um, installation. I'm glad you touched on the, the LNO piece of it because, you know, as liaison, um, you know, officers and stuff, it's, it's already uh, talked about, I think, in a lot of different podcasts, although we try to, to break that down in a previous episode that we did at Regiment about the option 40 and that there's there's a bit of a myth that you you have to have option 40. And we, we keep trying to explain to individuals, option 40 is fine, but there are other paths to getting into Regiment. Absolutely. Like, I didn't have an option 40 contract. Um, so I was a person who showed up here as a staff sergeant, you know, through my career, I was at previous other intelligence assignments as well as some other special operations ones. So the process wasn't refined like it is over here. I wish it was, else I would have talked to a recruiter on site over there at Fort Huachuca. So when I came in to the Ranger Regiment, it was all about who you knew. Hmm. So the person who told me, hey, you have the talents and the, um, the resiliency, I guess you would say, to make it. Um, who's now a GO, uh, General Hartman. At that time, when he was a major, he, he, he had done it, felt me, and said, hey, you need to go over to the Ranger Regiment. 
And just like any typical person who joins the military, not everybody understands what the Ranger Regiment is. Yeah, for sure. So like my process of me talking to HRC and I'm like, hey, I want to go to the Ranger Regiment. They're like, oh, we have this assignment for you at 4th uh, Training Brigade down there at uh, Fort Benning. <laughs> There's a big difference. So I was like, uh, I was telling, you know, the people, I'm like, hey, they're telling me I can go to this place called Ranger Training Brigade. Is that the right location? They're like, no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> so when they told me that, I'm like, this is obviously not the right, right, right response that I need to get. But, you know, luckily having the right touch points, I was able to get over here. And I think through a lot of trial and error from those early ages, now we have that refined process where we have those touch points over at Fort Huachuca and, and at some of the other satellite locations. And not to get lost over here is also the cyber element, a little bit unique. So the cyber MOS stood up in 2016. Um, it's really the military's, uh, from the Army perspective, first kind of foot into the multi-domain operations, as you'll continue to hear. So we do have a um, LNO that works over there at Fort Gordon. He kind of handles the signals uh, recruiting as well as the cyber. So they work in concert together. And collectively, we're able to grab that talent and bring them into the RAS-1 process for those early entry um, individuals, as well as individuals that are interested in RAS-2. And those will be like your E6s and above touch points. But they'll continue to utilize those same um, um, recruiters out there. Yeah, another key point. I mean, you don't have to be an early entry straight off the street, you know, coming in through a recruiter, going to AIT in order to come in. I think it's a, it's a very valuable point that, you know, you could be somewhere mid-career and in, in listening to this and think, oh, okay, I never even knew this existed, especially since it's relatively new. And, um, you know, there's probably going to be some kind of liaison or in-service recruiter that's going to be out there that um, can talk to you about what the options are and the route to coming in. And, of course, like you mentioned, it's RASP-2. Yep. Yeah, so, so, so two points. Um, you know, Star Major said, also 15 series, which are unmanned aviation, uh, so UAS pilots. So we have a, an oh. RQ-7 Shadow. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, so, uh, so a drone. Uh, for the audience out there. So we have pilots and maintainers schooled out of Fort Huachuca, but they can then come to the Ranger Regiment. Um, But but real quickly, because it's new, and I want to just make sure everybody is kind of familiar with it, just started in November. For officers and warrant officers, um, the AIM-2, so the uh, assignment interactive module that HRC has launched, that is how you apply to the Ranger Regiment and to, to the RMIB. So if you're any officer out there, a warrant officer, you go to your AIM-2, you wait for the 75th Ranger Regiment to kind of scroll through your, your homepage, and you just click apply. Uh, and then after that, you fill in the questionnaire, and then it comes up to, to really me and my dashboard, and I can see it. And then I talk to uh, Chief Pooler, Colonel Secor, Sergeant Major, like, hey, you know what? This guy's got some you know really unique skills, really cool college background. Um, Ranger tab, regardless. I, I mean, obviously, uh, we would want it, but we also uh, are able to get you that uh, here in the Army. We have slots to our Ranger program uh, in the Ranger Regiment, which has a very high success rate. So don't self-select out. Uh, fill out the, the initial application, and let's have that conversation uh, for the officers and warrant officers. And I think the enlisted are, are soon to be get you know soon to get it uh, on the ASCII side as well, which will be exciting. Yeah, and I think, you know, my my path to the regiment is, is a great, like, midstream example, right? So, you know, I I obviously had a ton of experience with the Ranger Regiment um, just operationally, right, just out doing the Lord's work. And, um, 
I was like, okay, that that is where I want to be. I I, I, just, I saw from afar and said, yeah, that's absolutely where I want to be. Well, I came in as a CW two, right? And so like every other warrant off, every warrant officer that's listening to this right now is like, no, no, you didn't. No, you grew up in Ranger Regiment, and then you pinned W one. You came right back to Ranger. No, no, I I came in as a CW two. And just as Major Lamaro said, you know, yeah, I came in, went through the RAS process, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, not, not to toot our own horn, but you come out of RAS knowing a lot more about yourself and, and, you know, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are. And that holistic assessment was super valuable. I still have the packet today that I just go back through and I say, well, did I actually, you know, did I follow up on that? And, and thankfully, most aspects I did. But, you know, as a CW2 came in, I, I think I high-fived uh, then Captain Lamaro, who was the micro commander, because <laughs> uh, he was headed out. And... Um, and then off we went, right? Got into the unit. Uh, they said, okay, you know, Ranger School's on your horizon. I said, yeah, roger that. That's, that's part of the course. Let's do it. Um, got trained up, and, and we can talk more about it, but the, the facilities and the programs that we have in here, you know, I think a lot of folks view Ranger Regiment as I have to come equipped with a Ranger tab. I have to come equipped with, yeah. you know, you have to bring all this good baggage to, to gain entry, right? But we have so many mechanisms here that like if we can see the key skills and competencies, you know, we'll we'll get you to school. We'll get you um to the levels that, that, you know, are requisite with the mission. And so that's that's what happened. I came in and uh we we had a requirement downrange. So I, I you know bumped out for a little bit but then came right back in, went to Ranger School. The programs that we have here uh, definitely got me equipped both physically and then from a knowledge standpoint, because, I mean, I'm an all-source intelligence technician. What do I know about small unit tactics? You know, next to nothing, right? But that's what CERT's for, and CERT gets that knowledge so that you're successful in your school. Oh, yeah, that's push-up time. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Finally. So small unit ranger tactics. Yeah. And, and so it's a program that, that our Special Troops Battalion puts on, and it gets you to that level so that you know, like, you don't have to read the whole ranger handbook and being an expert. Like, what? they are going to walk you through that. Um, and then, lo and behold, go to ranger school at the age of 34. So, yes, it can be done. And um, here well, I, I am today. You probably had a lot of that that occurred even on the enlisted side, trying to fill the billets uh, with individuals that you needed in a senior rank position who had never gone through maybe even airborne school in some cases or been assigned to a soft unit prior to coming here. Yeah, it's challenging. So think about majority of our market, you talk INSCOM. INSCOM is not an airborne type of organization, but they have a, the bulk of the intelligence uh, community over in their environment. So unless they go to like a force comm unit in, inside the 18th Airborne Corps, they're not going to get that experience. So that's one of the things that we do provide. I was lucky enough to have to hit, you know, I was at a special operations assignment beforehand where I got my airborne training. However, I did not have my ranger school uh, experience until I got over here. And of course, they asked me about that at the board. They're like, hey, you've been in special operations for this long. Why haven't you been at ranger school? I'm like, well, I'm an intel analyst and that wasn't a priority. But if it's a priority here, it's a priority for me now. And they're like, yep, it is. So, you know, lo and behold, rocked on. Mm -hmm. And even more recently, uh, just in the past year, we had the first 17 Charlie uh, cyber operator um, come through Ranger School. I uh, came to R Ranger Regiment and then graduated from Ranger School as an E6. 
So, wow. and he, so this isn't a guy that's still, right. you know, 20 years old and can recover from anything he went through. He went through our processes and our programs and went through. Same thing, just had an E6 35 mic, uh, E7 35 mic, uh, same thing. And he was actually the distinguished honor graduate of his ranger class. So there's a human operator. He must have, tri- he, he must have ran sources all over the place uh, to convince everyone to vote for him to be the, the number one guy. However he did it, it's an impressive accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, probably did it through hard work and being a good team player. Yeah, so with the guys laying the groundwork, I mean, you guys in the initial phases, and of course, we're honored with somebody who came here and started the whole thing up, but I mean, in the presence of the, in the room here, but I mean, when you think about what you guys are doing and blazing a trail in a brand new battalion assigned to this regiment, you're, you're doing something like standing up a first battalion or something that they, guys talk about in the past, time came along later on, I was initially a part of all of that, and you know, I mean, that's happening right here. Uh, you guys are kind of the leaders of setting the standard for what it'll be for the future. It's a, yeah, it's one of those humbling um, things to be a part of. Definitely, we're not you know we're over at work trying to look at putting together our little Letterman jacket or anything, <laughs> anything of that nature. But it is something that you know we can sit back and kind of think about what we are trying to establish over here. Like I tell anyone, laying the foundation is is always the hard part, but we're doing it to help those after us so they can have fun and, and relish in the, in, the, in the enjoyment of being here in the Ranger Regiment. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of hard work that goes into it. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And a lot of that's in the, in the talent management side, talent, the, what we call it the war for talent, right? Get the best folks on the team, and, and then it doesn't really matter how good or bad I am. No one really knows if I'm any good yet. <laughs> uh, I, tell, I tell my peers across the Army that I, I have some of the, you know, the best folks around me from command chief warrant officers, field grades, all the way down to you know, command sergeant majors and then down to our newest guys. Uh, we're getting guys that are team players, uh, that want to be experts at their craft and then aren't afraid of a little bit of PT. Mm-hmm. And when and, and there is a little bit, I want to dispel a little bit of the rumor, you know, folks are like, oh, you've got to be like a cross games cha- CrossFit Games champion to yeah. go to Ranger Regiment. And that's not the case. If you're willing to train up to run eight-minute miles, I think that's a pretty reasonable uh, thing. Eight-minute miles for five miles, so 40-minute five-mile. A few push-ups and a few sit-ups. If you can get there and do uh, your six pull-ups at some point, and we we will train you up uh, through some of our prep programs, but those things are not not high, lofty, unachievable goals for the, I would say, probably still an above-average American, but uh, most folks that are young can train to those things. Mm Mm-hmm. I still remember being stationed here and seeing all the Ranger panties going from like 6 in the morning until about 4 o'clock in the afternoon the whole day. I mean, doing nothing but PT. And, of course, if you see that, that's a, oh, my God, that's that's what you guys do all the time, seven days a week, you know, eight hours a day. And just like anything, if you do a lot of it, guess what happens? Get really good at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody showed up here on day one is that, that physical beast. Yeah. Yeah, that. so part of the being physically fit, that's one of part of the culture over here. And I think that sometimes can be intimidating for those that are on the outside. And often when I'm talking to, whether it's my, my, my peers from the senior levels, what have you, they always question like, how are you going to grow the RMIB if, if all you guys are focused on is, is being physically fit and all this? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, let me dispel some of the rumors. We're, yes, we're physically fit, but we're also very intellectual. And uh, quite, you know, yesterday we were sitting in a symposium and um, one of the psychs were talking about how high the, you know, the IQ level is over here in the Ranger Regiment compared to the, the rest of the 
general population. I think the statistic that was thrown out was the average IQ is about 117 over here in this area. So you're getting a good mix of those that are fit and those are very intellectual or have the intellectual curiosity in this environment, which is very good for us. Yeah. And kind of along the same lines, what the Armit brings, that, that same, you know, nine to four that you just saw Rangers in 1980 just doing PT, well, now we're just doing Intel. And we're PTing from six to eight, pretty hard, pretty sweaty, shower up, and then it's just every day behind your systems. If you're flying UAS, we're flying them off Lawson Army Airfield every single day. We're doing, you know, behind, you know, Sergeant Major and I had the privilege of walking with a, a Ranger MI platoon that, you know, we as a battalion resourced the helicopter, waited for it to get dark. They, they went out at night, fast roped under nods, night vision goggles, uh, and then assembled and then walked, threw up a drone to cover their, their infill and then just trained out here, you know, on Fort Benning all night long, started raining, Sergeant Major and I went home uh, when it started raining, but you know, it's just intel, training intel, at, like a ranger would, just highly you know, resourced, dedicated officers and NCOs planning, um, but that's the expectation when you come here, is you're gonna do your intel job yeah. every single day, whatever that job is, and we're gonna train you, and we're gonna fund you, and then we're gonna put you out the door. Uh, so you can use it. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. lot of our guys here don't even realize it, but they're on classified up to top secret systems every minute of the day at their disposal. No one ever, there's no line, there's no sign up. It's just part of their day. And some folks, you know, we forget that that's, it's not that way everywhere else. Yeah. I was just, I was going to say, you know, you walk in, you walk into where my office is and if we took all the tabs and scrolls off the wall, right, you'd walk in and you'd say, oh, okay, so this is, you know, some sort of Pentagon-level watch center where there's multiple workstations also, you know, like like the boss said, there's full access to all the all the different systems. And, you know, I, I'm 16 years in. I can think of a handful of places where that is the norm. And, and we are. We're, we're, we're spoiled, but... Uh, we're spoiled in the aspect of um, having having that equipment and access, but it's also a necessity, right? Because uh, touching back on that earlier point of you know Rangers being Rangers, and, and where now General Evans wanted that that drive to have you know that micro at scale for the regiment. You know, I, each and every one of us that you know wears the beret and, and does intelligence for the regiment. It's, it's, not, it's a different dynamic when you have augmentation or you have someone from outside your organization. Um, and, it, and it's not a bad thing. It's just a different dynamic because they're not, they're, they're just not in the same uh, space, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and the best way I can, can kind of draw that together is I've, you know, we all went to ranger school and when you go to ranger school, it's the conglomeration of everybody, you know, from the regiment or wherever. Yeah, all you walks might, of life. Yeah. You'll, you'll go with, you know, a guy from 175 or from um, the regimental special troops battalion or where, wherever it is. And um, you'll see them later on. And so, we, you know, I know when I, when I would go forward and, and do my job, um, that's for your ranger buddy. You know, that's, that's, for, that's a personal relationship, whereas you don't have that dynamic if you augment or you bring in from external organizations. So yeah. I, think, I think that's the, 
truly special aspect about being an Intel professional here. Right. And that's kind of what we were hitting on the very beginning as to why the need was here, because then you understand that mentality. You're like-minded in terms of what the goal is in the end state. And, you know, you understand the commander's intent the same exact way and, you know, with the same set of lens. Um, you touched a little bit about the cybersecurity or mentioned that that's a new MOS, you know, within especially with, uh, within this space here. And I think it's probably, I would assume, a little bit more of an exciting type of um, career field, even for individuals that might be looking at going into the military. So what does that entail? When, we, when the Army or the military says cybersecurity, is it different than what you might hear in cybersecurity out there on the outside, you know, and McAfee and, you know, in installing these different applications on your systems in order to stop, you know, attacks? Yeah, is, is the one guy here that's a 17 series branch. I feel uh, I should probably take this one. <laughs> 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 Folks all the time uh, ask, uh, how did the cyber guy end up in charge of a military intelligence battalion? And, and it's because we have we have one of the we have one of the first SEMA companies in the army. So that's cyber electromagnetic magnetic activities inside of that company. What you have is you have a classic SIGINT uh, signals intelligence platoon right next to a technical surveillance detachment and right next to a cyber and EW platoon. So when you start putting cyber guys next to SIGINers, next to technical surveillance guys, you can do some really cool stuff uh, that gets classified pretty quick. So it's hard to get too creative uh, within the bounds of a podcast, but it's exciting. Um, And when you say compare it to cybersecurity, you know, out in the world, well, uh, I can assure you, being in the Ranger Regiment to start with, and what we've just talked about already puts you in a much different category. And then when you talk about our cyber operators, I mean, our guys are doing everything from uh, programming their own Raspberry Pis to have all kinds of different, uh, to conduct all sorts of different activities um, and different special purposes, all the way down to just supporting Rangers tactically uh, to running some kind of remote camera system. Um, and then there's all of your, you know, your hacking and um, uh, all of those skill sets that you can start to apply. And you start overlaying that with uh, warfare, information warfare, information advantage, and thinking about all of those skills together. And uh, really, your own imagination is the only limit. And right now, uh, across the force, cyber is still being defined as we move forward. And uh, a lot of folks, our, our folks have... Uh, we have some of that we're trying to get the very best folks uh, on the team, as we talked about. Anybody that likes teamwork and experts, come on over. Um, and then once we put those folks, uh, we'll, we, we have a good bit of money, too, towards that mission set. So we get good folks on a team and give them some money, and we let them go uh, innovate in anything they come up, and they continue to come up with really impressive stuff. Well, I mean, getting to operate, like you said, at the tip of the spear and probably things that even in the private sector you won't get the opportunity to ever face and see and stuff, you know, is certainly a great um, career-filled opportunity so that when you do go back to the private sector, think about the skill set that you have that you're bringing to the table. And you mentioned about, you know, the evolution of that. I think even within the private sector, we'd all agree that there is still a whole lot that either laws are not supporting or that we're... um, navigating ourselves through at this moment and yet you guys are operating because of a combat mission and uh, the type of mission set that you guys have at really that probably that tip of that spear that's going to influence a lot of what's happening within the private sector and probably is today you know on on different scales so it's a great skill set i'm just saying a lot of these that we're talking about here 
um, within the MI space is, is really are really transferable skills, but that's certainly one I think right now that's got a lot of attention out there, you know, because of all the concern that we have from other countries. Uh, absolutely. And I think really, um, I know we're kind of new, so it's kind of hard to kind of like assess what, what the retention and things of that nature. But I would tell you from our battlefield circulations collectively between all four of us over here, um, when we talk to the young rangers, they really bought into the love of the mission and, and, the, and the camaraderie and the teamwork. So that's one of the things I think it's not so much a selling point, it's just the reality. You know, so for folks that are working over here, they, they enjoy what they do. Um, they love serving the nation. And that's one of the things that's a little bit different than the private sector. You know, we, we're able to, to provide that, you know, for those that have that, that appetite to go after those things, we're able to fill that up. So that's one of the cool things about being here and really being at the tip of the spear, as you said earlier. I don't know if you'll really see that in other areas. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the level of autonomy that we, uh, maybe our autonomy is not the right word, but, but it is. It's what we're affording them. You know, you're, what, what the Army or, or maybe the military writ large would assign to, say, a captain or a major, uh, we, we kind of put some pretty significant onus and responsibility on a staff sergeant or a sergeant. And they go out and they execute and they do extremely, extremely well. And, you know, talking about the transfer into the private sector and, and having having that autonomy to really take responsibility and, and lead, right? Because I know, you know, we talked previously about the uh, difference between a manager and a leader. And, and we're seeing leadership development and leadership traits grow and, and be reaffirmed at, you know, an E3 of... Uh, E4 level all the way through and you know your span of control and influence is obviously different at the at the ranks and levels but it's absolutely astounding what you know our young rangers can go do given the right you know purpose and guidance and direction and you know you got to give them some left and right limits because ranger will break stuff even MI rangers will break stuff but in a good way right um, but that's that's something that over the years I've really really just been astounded by the the ability of, of these young entrepreneurial types that, that can just grab onto something and really innovate and drive. It's a key takeaway. I mean, you think about the conventional force and, and what I'm hearing is that, you know, you're going to get exposed some, just to do some really cool things in the conventional force, being in the MI community, but being allowed to be in this community, you're going to then put it on steroids at another level, you know, and get challenged with a lot more autonomy and the ability to maybe even do stuff that you never even dreamed of or that you hope to do and you never found it within the conventional force, but it may exist inside here and you won't know unless you come here and don't deselect and you just make it through. You know, and it's, an, it's a very important thing to, to mention because of what your mission set is. And uh, I think that goes across the board to all the, it sounds like, all the MI positions within the regiment. Yeah, deselection, de you know, that's probably one of the biggest things that separates people when they go to RASP-1. It's, it's not having that focus like, hey, I can, I can make it through. Um, one of the things that we're able to, to do is we do have some engagements. I'm not going to say that everything is perfect. So we'll go down over to that environment and, and show them and like, hey, I made it through. Maybe not so much looking at the E9, but like some of the younger ones, they'll see them and say, I can, I can relate. I, I've been in your place. I've, I've lived in those barracks. I've gone through the same thing. I've done those push-ups. You, you can do this. It's really getting that mindset. And, and one of the things to think about, like our environment, 
But a lot of the people that we bring in, they, they may not even have those struggles coming in. You know, you're talking to people that probably were straight A students, A's and B's. So the first time they've ever met something very tough, maybe it was on the physical end and maybe that's, you know, over a basic training, AIT or over here. So how do you bounce back? How do you have, how do you display that resiliency? Because everyone's going to get challenged. Everybody gets punched in the stomach or in the face at some point in their life. And, but we've all survived and they've been there able to meet the survivors that encounter those same um, experiences that they're, they're currently going through. And, and actually that's helping our success rate because they have those people that's relatable to them. That's why they keep the old guy around. <laughs> you know, uh, um, if you're looking at like trying to attract people here, why would a typical MI person who has the opportunity to go to so many different places within the military and in different units and stuff, why do you think that it it is important? Although we kind of hit on it, but I'm just curious to see or hear from you guys. Um, what do you believe that really will tell them, hey, this is where you want to come because... Is it just what we just talked about, or is it something else um, about what's attractive about Ranger Regiment outside of maybe just being able to play with cool toys and being able to do uh, cool things and stuff? Well, well, you know, I, I, I think we'll pass it around because I think each one of us has a different, you know, um, um, take on on what that is. So for a lot of us, those that did grow up wanting to shoot guns and blow things up, played, you know. Um, different military type of games that this this does quench that does satisfy that thirst over here uh, but at the same time if if individuals want to be challenged from like i said from a physical standpoint intellectual standpoint and even be built within the other attributes that we rarely talk about when it comes into the leadership we as an organization 75th ranger regiment provides that that's really what what we do we help modernize the the military out there we have the charters i know you're very familiar with that from your previous episodes but that's kind of the charge over here it's like hey develop leaders put them back into the military to develop the leaders out there and then bring individuals back here and really show them what it feels like to build a team a lifelong team so when people do um, depart from the military because whether they stay ETS time or if they retire, we have that lifelong connection. It is a fraternity. So that's what makes it very uh, appealing, at least to me, is that, that lifelong commitment to be around those that have that. I would say the, um, no, all great points are major. The, um, the entry into the regiment, there, there's only one entry, and that is the Ranger Assessment Selection Program. Um, there's not multiple ways. There's not an intel way. There's not an enabler way. Um, it's humbling to, you know, to be a 34-year-old major and, you know, have to run next to a 21-year-old infantry officer um, for time. And then, you know, but, but you know what, I'll catch up to him on the IQ test later <laughs> or, or so. But, but, but there's just one standard and there's one test. Uh, right. And then you're hired, you know, together. And you, you wear the tambourine, everybody does. And uh, you walk around and you don't know who's in the Special Troops Battalion, who's in 2nd you know, Ranger Battalion, who's in the RMIB until you get really, really close. And you kind of look at the scroll because uh, at a distance, we're all just the same. And I think that's really unique from an MI perspective, a cyber perspective, and it's, it's, it's what keeps me coming back because some of my closest friends will be infantry officers, EW officers, uh, and then, you know, rangers of all MOSs down at the, the different companies. Yeah, I, I think the way I see it is, you know, what, what differentiates us from anywhere else is, you know, I would just ask the question, you know, are you interested in being in a position or in a place where you can actually 
you know, experience and achieve and, and view your maximized potential, right? Because everywhere else that you go, there there's going to be various constraints, mm-hmm. right? There, there's either going to be resource constraints or, um, you know, maybe maybe your mission isn't always turned on, right? And, you know, ever since, well, since the start of all the global war on terrorism, Rangers have been forward, right? And, uh, and this is a place to where, you know, in a relatively unconstrained environment, you can come to that realization of your full potential of whatever it is that you do. If you're, you know, a, a UAS operator, an all-source analyst, a GON analyst, whatever your MI field is, you can really kind of, when you leave here, you're going to realize like, well, okay, this, you know, I found, you know, the next level of my potential. And then at your next assignment, you you already have that next ridge line, so to speak, of how you can grow, how you can then pour into others um, in any organization that you go to because you, you're carrying a pretty darn valuable experience here. doesn't have to be, you don't have to be male, you can be female. I mean, so I think that's a big thing to dispel as well because there may be, you know, individuals that are in the military intelligence community or at least looking into that role and they may be listening to this and again, it goes back to everything we keep saying, don't deselect. Go through the process, put your paperwork in, and at the end of the day, you're still going to be wearing the same beret, the same scroll, and, you know, a member of that, this unit. Yeah, just this year, we've had three female Ranger School graduates, so absolutely uh, an achievable task. Uh, and, and they're out, every one of them, or everything from a team leader to the battalion operations officer. Different standards every day, though, right? I mean, that's what the rumor is. is there must be different standards. There's the, you know, females don't have to do it in 40 minutes. It's, you know, 60. Same exact standards. Same exact. Very important. Sorry for all the old timers that want to have something to complain about. But yeah. it is same exact standards, and, and they show up, and they get it done, and they're uh, leading our formations just right right alongside every other ranger everybody here is a ranger uh and that's that's where that starts yeah um it kind of on that talent piece as well i remember uh, i was one of those kids that went to the uh, jay robinson's intensive wrestling camps as a as a young high school wrestler and uh, i remember him saying um if you want to be great you got to surround yourself by people better than you Right. Yeah. And so absolutely. when you're at Ranger Regiment, you look at that. Every day you come here, you're you're surrounded by folks as good or better than you, and you're gonna just your your level of play is only gonna increase, and it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And that's what makes you even a better leader, because I think as far as leadership's concerned, when you surround yourself with people who are either not just like-minded, but challenge you on a daily basis, it helps you grow. You don't want to be surrounded by a bunch of people on a scale of 1 to 10 in leadership that, again, are, you know, if you place yourself at, say, a 7 on the scale, you don't want to be surrounded with 5s or 4s. You want either equal people or somebody in the room that's going to challenge you that much more and make you move out of the way, I think, like you were sharing with us before. Well, yeah, when we established I might just be a two surrounded by a bunch of tens. Uh, so I've got a bunch of tens around here keeping it, keeping everything going. Yeah, it, it was. I, I wanted to bring up about the females because, again, there is a lot of conversation that's out there, especially now with women being able to enter the soft community. I want to be able to dispel a lot of those, you know, people who are not inside these walls or not, you know, living the standard on a daily basis to understand you don't know what you're talking about. When you're inside here, there is one standard. 
And, and it goes back to what you even mentioned in the very beginning or a few minutes ago. It's about there's only one way in, there's only one standard, and we all have to meet it on a daily basis. Absolutely. And one of the things about, you know, the inclusion of having females here, that was one of the big conversations for many years. And um, for us, particularly in the military intelligence environment, our community is has a large amount of females that are within there. If you think about, you know, the G2 of the Army right now, General Potter, then you have the G2 Sergeant Major, you know, Julie Guerra, the, both two females leading the MI community at large from the, from the tip of that spear, if you want to call it that. So they see that and, and they're able to see the females that are within our organization. I think that's gonna to continue to help diversify our organization, help us see things differently, think differently. And if like any good organization, you wanna evolve. So if we forget to evolve, then we're gonna become stagnant. So that's one of the beauties of being over here in the Army. From an enlisted standpoint, when you're coming into a regiment, especially in the MI uh, space, would you say that this gives you an advantage in terms of promotional opportunities because of going through these challenges and having a ranger tab and maybe maybe share a little bit about that, especially for those who might be mid-career right now? Uh, absolutely. So for all the way until I made the sergeant major rank, the sergeant major rank's the only one I didn't make on my first time, unfortunately. But it was it's good that I didn't probably need to be humbled anyway. But um, primarily a lot of our environment over here are a lot of fast tracking, what we call fast tracking in the military, sure. people getting picked up in their secondary zone. Even on the officer side, I would throw that out there. We have a lot of below the zone selections to, uh, whether it's to major, to lieutenant colonel, we have that in this environment. So I think the Army acknowledges that, whether they're looking at you from an NCO perspective or from an officer perspective of knowing that you're gaining these knowledges, your skills, and these behaviors or attributes to help grow you as a leader for the future of the military as we think from a macro perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the other plugs, I know um, Chief Puller was talking about like the why nots and things of that nature. Uh, we, I know in our environment, we talk about the, um, the MI award. There's this award out there called the Thomas Knowlton Award. It is for- Army-wide? It's Army-wide for okay. those that have served the intelligence community at a high level. So that individual, Thomas Knowlton, actually was the first ever spy in America. Hmm. And he was the spy for George Washington. So think revolutionary time. He was leading the Knowlton Rangers. So when I talk to intelligence professionals out there, uh, yeah, you're wearing, the you're wearing the nice medallion, but do you know where this originates from? And, and if you do, why not be part of the organization that is the Rangers to help bring that even more? So now we're kind of the legacy of the first ever spy, Thomas Knowlton, which the whole army recognizes as, as for achievement. Wow, that's a great tie-in, a great um, hook right there. That's what sergeant majors do. <laughs> well done, very well done. No, but I mean, yeah, it's a great tie-in because people would think, you know, again, you're you're very young, you're only a couple years in and everything, but yet, no, there's greater uh, history that goes along with this. And when you think about the importance of intelligence, especially as it relates to, you know, our mission and going to war and combat and everything and fighting, it's it's very important to have the most up-to-date information to understand where it came from and its source. How um, how old is that intelligence? You know, that you're receiving. You know, all these different factors that come into it. There's been a long history of military intelligence inside the military, and, and you just pointed out um, some of its early stages, and it probably went back way before that. You know, the guys who 
who went out there and did a lot of scouts out type, type work and in long range uh, patrols and everything else and brought back intel and information and uh, it's it's uh, again demonstrating that although it's been around the army for a short, I mean uh, the Ranger Regiment for a short time frame, it's been in the army for a long, and it's needed and its origins actually tie back. Um, so really good. I wanted to take it down the path of the MOSs that you have in there. I want to get on the officers too, but the MOSs that you have within Ranger Regiment into uh, Army is in particular. Are there any skill sets that you guys it may rotate on a um, you know a quarterly basis or annual basis, but is there a number of billets that usually make up the larger component of that that you're looking for most of the time, or is it not could be anything? And I ask that because you know there may be one skill set that uh, you have a greater option or a greater opportunity of coming into regiment if you go down a certain path, or it, are they all equal? Okay. That's a good co- question. Complex. I like that. Complex questions. Uh, for for my, my take on it really is as intelligence continues to drive operations, I'm looking for everything, right? Any, okay. Anybody who's interested over here. But primarily where we always have the, the hardest um, to fill is our mid-level NCOs. You know, you think about your E5s, your E6s. That's kind of like they're trying to figure themselves out in their military career. Are they going to come? Are they going to go? Uh, we face that over in this formation, just like the folks in the conventional uh, market face it over there. But if I was to try to, you know, what area or what MOS really do I need to hone in on? You know, SIGINT is probably like always one of the challenges to bring into this environment just because of the, the nature of being very, not to say introverts bad, but you have some people that that's not what they're really looking for. They, they'd rather just be on the keyboard and, and they just don't know that they're able to do that in this arena just because they haven't been exposed to it. So that that's a market over there. But, you know, we're looking for everything out there. Yeah, I think the bottom line, you know, that we, we wouldn't even carve it to a specific discipline. It's really just talent writ large. And that and that's, you know, that's our ultimate goal is is looking looking for the talent across the military or those who aren't even in the military yet. And uh, and as that talent is identified and comes in, again, getting back to the charters, like, you know, if if Intel started with Knowlton and now we're kind of back here full circle, you know, we we owe it to follow up as as our infantry brothers do with their charter to in to implant in and feedback leadership into the army mm-hmm. you know it's no different for us you know from a from a military intelligence perspective to to get them in here get them trained up equip them give them the experiences and then again plug it right back into the army because you know if the range regiment's great and and we're you know our tents up so to speak well the rest of the army needs that too, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it'd be a disservice if we didn't in, put that influx of leadership and experience back in. And, and as uh, one of my mentors always said, you know, there's no harm in applying for something. If you're interested, if it's whether it's anything from uh, applying to the Ranger Regiment to a PhD program um, or, or whatever that might be that you're interested in, there's no cost. There's no loss in applying for it. So if you're saying, well, you know, I can't quite run an eight-minute mile, but I'd really love to be in the Rangers, that that shouldn't be what keeps you from filling out your application. And when, when we talk about filling out that application, um, it's, it's for one, it's for any MOS. If you think, oh, I didn't see my MOS on the list, or a recruiter says, hey, that's not an MOS that the Rangers want, don't believe it. 
if you're as uh, as Jim uh, just mentioned here, it's it's about the right person. So if you apply, and and this is your first test in your MI Cyber uh, Desire skills, you have to go onto the Google machine and type in "Go Army Ranger." and be able to navigate to 75th Ranger Regiment from there. Uh, if you can pass that test, you absolutely... Should apply. That's the first step. That's the first <laughs> yeah. step. Uh, I think everybody's pretty comfortable there, but then you start that application process all the way down to our, you know, our cyber MOSs. Uh, absolutely, we are new, and cyber MOSs are new. So I'd be uh, uh, sad if I didn't mention that those are, those are areas we're absolutely looking for growth. And once again, it's, it's just any, anyone who wants to, has the interest and wants to start the process to apply. You're not committing to anything because at the last, you can apply and get accepted to the Rangers, uh, you know, Harvard's uh, PhD program and a professional football team. And at the end of the day, you get to decide which one of those you want to pursue. You can say no to the other two. And obviously you'll say yes to the Ranger regiment um, and come hang out with us. But yeah, you, you always apply there's never you're not going to miss out on something uh, unless you don't apply for it i'm glad that you mentioned about the you know don't sell yourself short just because you have an mos that's not listed because i think there is a misunderstanding out there and again you guys are really trying to build the force i, I also think too though the challenge of trying to get mid-career people we've touched on it a couple of times of trying to come into regiment you know, you know, they're mid thirties, early thirties, and they're thinking, is this something that I really want to do? Is this a challenge that I really want to meet? And, um, and again, there's this misunderstanding perhaps of what goes on yet. There are different standards here than there are in conventional forces, but you know, you got to make sure you're talking to the right people and getting the right information and these liaison NCOs and, and officers that are out there are the right people that you can talk to that can give you the the correct answer to the question that you have about what goes on. Yeah, yeah. and even if they don't aren't able to reach one of the liaison officers, uh, you know, I know I spend a lot of time on my cell phone receiving text messages from random people who I don't even. I think my number's just out there in the Ethernet. And they, just, <laughs> they hit me up, say, "Hey, brother, I'm, I'm interested in, in joining the Ranger Regiment," and I'm, I follow along with them and you know provide what I know. You know, try to help yeah. them out. I don't care if they're an officer or if they're a civilian looking to apply over here. You know, through some type of transition point, and you know, we take all walks. It's a, it's a, it's really a great experience and seeing that, and even in the transition. Those that are even in the military, we've transitioned those that had an appetite um, to do potentially the MI stuff or the cyber stuff, whether they're infant, previously infantry, whether they're previously a cook, artillerymen. We, we do it all and try to get people really that exposure. And I think what you're kind of tapping on is how do we get people exposed to what we do back here? Right, right. Well, and, it, and it's really trying to break down these walls because people don't understand there is... Um, I think there are enough people out there that think that they're educated on what goes on with inside regiment, and most of them probably have not served in regiment, but they put an image out there, or they they put an image out there because they don't know, but this is what they've heard, or they've been inside regiment, and it's a long time ago, and it was their personal experience, and they don't define it that way, that it was a personal experience. It's one perspective. We could all hit the building, but we're coming in in different doors and different windows and going to see something entirely different when we hit it. And we forget that sometimes. Yeah, you know? there's there's something to be said for being in the in the ecosystem. You know, I was I was just thinking about it this morning. You know, got up, did PT, right, and you know, it was just four mile run, right. And I thought as I was running, I thought, 
You know, back and this this is like you know my whole almost my entire career has been in special operations. So, <laughs> would I have done this uh, when I was 28 or you know earlier in my career? Probably not, right? And and you know we've hit a lot on the physical aspect, but I I just always find it interesting that like once you're in the ecosystem and you're around folks that are driving you to be better each day and you carry that as like yeah i'm going to wake up and be better today in whatever aspect it is if i'm going to go a mile further or i'm going to lift a little bit heavier or i'm going to crush this product or you know you know take on this intelligence problem whatever it is you're you pretty much wake up wanting to be better every day because that's the environment right so and i think you know if we were to kind of encapsulate all of it the 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 big wall right is that physical aspect and i look at what i'm doing right now 38 years of age and i'd say you know i probably wouldn't be doing this anywhere else but it's because you're in the environment right you're you know i'm i get it well I, i don't dare do it but you know, if I got on the Versa Climber next to the boss, like, we'd be going after it for a while, right? But that's just it. And, and I'd love to take you down there. But, like, you know, you get into into our uh, uh, training facility there, and it's just, it's every, like, the RCO comes down. And just everyone has that ecosystem mindset of, like, hey, we owe it to each other. This isn't, like, a you-me thing. This is as a collective we're always pushing to be better. And that just, man, it, it gets in your veins real quick. Yeah, Jim, you, you made me think of the uh, Colonel Secor's bike club yeah. that we've started up here in the, the Ranger and my battalion. Uh, up until, you know, 36 years old, never re- rode a road bike. Uh, and then I came over to be uh, the battalion executive officer. And within the first week was in the market to purchase a road bike. Um, and the next thing you know, I was, you know, entering the Tour de France. Um, and it's just be, you just want to talk about, um, just people coming together and just, I mean, we're doing PT, so we're meeting the boss's intent, but it's just teamwork. Um, it's, it's competitive, but fun. And now, you know, a whole group of officers and senior NCOs on the battalion staff ride together uh, frequently that never would have enjoyed the sport before, but we do it to be together, to talk. Um, if we can, usually, we're, you know, we're putting out some watts that nobody can speak by the end of it, but it's, it's one of those things that, you know, competitive wears off, uh, but in a good way. Um, because... And, I, and I, I wanted to bring up, you know, I did a short stint at 25th Infantry Division a couple of years ago, and um, I, I found myself being my own Ranger LNO. Uh, and, you know, I was, I was, I left on good terms from the regiment. I was going back to the regiment, uh, in, a, in an upcoming day, but I needed a little break and I wanted to, to serve in the conventional army. And there's just a whole group of people out there that just are curious about the Ranger. I don't know, maybe it was an Island, but they just didn't know who to ask. Mm-hmm. And my door was open. I put up some Ranger pictures in my office and, you know, next thing you know, half of the division, uh, is here in the army, but I'm just hiring all, you know, everybody. Cause now I have hiring power to, to hire all my, you know, all my my subordinates and friends um but there's just a lot of just questions out there and i would challenge everybody and kind of listen and just find a former ranger um and just or just reach out to one of us because uh, there's a lot of myths that are just are not accurate um and it's it's not hard. the barrier to entry is is the standard um and it's, and it's an achievable standard um we're really looking for that person that wants to be here yeah, we have a number of folks. They, they they don't wake up in the morning, you know, bench pressing 315, running six-minute miles. That's not our population. That's Yes, there are those in Ranger Regiment, 
But uh, we have a number of folks who have worked their butt off every single day to get to those standards. And, and they're some of the very best intelligence professionals we have, leading formations, leading targeting, and making great things happen for the country uh, every day uh, overseas and, and then from back home as well. I think there's a, there's a few other nice things at Ranger Regiment that we didn't really in, that we didn't get to go too deep into. But when we talk about how nice our gym was, you know, we, we didn't talk about there's a physical therapist that sits there in the gym every day. That's not a that's not an every other unit type of thing. Uh, we have some. We're really fortunate because because we have some of these uh, higher expectations um, and, and standards to get in. Then we also have to make sure we take care of our folks physically to to complement that. This isn't to rub in the face of uh, you know other units that don't have this, but we have our own physical therapists, our own trainers. Our battalion has a trainer, uh, you know, a career uh, fitness trainer with all, a, whole, a whole laundry list of certifications and qualifications who personally takes their time. You schedule appointments with them, and they are available to, to you. To, they set up your programs all the way down to watching your individual form and giving you, and then we have dietitians, and then have our own battalion surgeon, and you start looking at this whole holistic care uh, all the way down to, you know, individual behavioral health uh, executive coaching, mm. talking about, hey, here's my personality test. Uh, Chief Pooler talked about that a little bit. I'm taking my personality test. And I'm sitting with uh, the, the regimental psychologist who's a career um, operational psychologist talking to me about how to be be more effective at work, be more effective at my job. And those are things that between that whole, you know, whole person care, you, you take a look at that and that really, um, folks are going to, it's going to take you well beyond your ranger time. It's going to make you better as a ranger in your time here, but then, you know, your ability to give back to other folks and be a leader everywhere else you go, whether it's in the service or out of the service, Most it's, it's going to be a huge, huge benefit. And then um, I, I could go down the road of a little bit of the schooling too. I don't want to hog the mic too much, but uh, the other thing that I've been, we've been pushing as soon as COVID hit, all of a sudden you know a lot of our rangers hey you gotta gotta sit at home, and with all of our individual specialty skills, I said hey cyber guys, go what are you working on? And they're like well you know they're trying to figure out how do you how do you do your training of your cyber your intelligence training. Uh, back, you know, from back home when you're not on your systems. Well, guys, hey, just take your time and start enrolling in college. We had over 50 guys complete college classes, and not just any college classes, but we're talking programming courses, data analytics courses, uh, all the way to advanced statistics and master's level uh, courses for folks in, in STEM fields and in being a STEM guy, I have trouble using my yeah, words. Yeah, we did yeah. Uh, project management. We got PMP. Um, the battalion helped get five Rangers PMP certified. Um, just, just whole, you know, slew of, uh, just holistic professionalism. Just what, what are you, what are you passionate about besides being a Ranger? Um, and you can kind of bring that in and, and, and tailor it cause it's, it's about, uh, retention. And then, you know, something we learned is if, if people are, are happy, uh, at work or outside of work, then they produce they produce better. And that's why we focus a lot on our uh, family readiness group. Uh, we have our own ranger chaplain in the MI battalion. And you want to just talk about a high, high spirit individual that just, <laughs> you know, really brings us together. Um, regardless of denomination, you know, it's just almost uses like the fun office, like the fun OIC. Um, but then, you know, uh, 
the battalion balls, uh, marriage retreats, single soldier, you know, the, we have all these things dedicated for MI and cyber professionals to, to make sure that we're taking care of them as a, a ranger um, so that they can come to work every day and, and be happy and be, you know, be fruitful. Yeah, when, when you know, the ARMIB was being formed, and obviously when you form an organization, you want to look at, like, the key tenets of that organization. You know, what's the culture? What, what drives it? What are the pillars that we care about? And, you know, it, it became readily apparent that one of the main pillars that we had is, is caring for one another, right? And, and so you'll hear in the soft community, you know, one of the soft truths is humans are more important than the hardware. And we really took that to heart because, you know, all the, all the drones, all the technical equipment, all that stuff doesn't run without humans. And when you have a thinking organization like an MI battalion, right, and you start getting into that human psyche of things. And if you're, not, if you're not caring for your ranger buddy and if they're not happy where they're at, you know, that's going to have direct translations on their output performance, their cognitive abilities, you know, just their outlook on life writ large, right? So, you know, we looked at our our formation and really the regiment writ large is getting very, very, very good at this, of taking care of the people within the organization because they see that value and they see the output of people who are well cared for, well trained, well maintained, and, and it almost sounds mechanical, but you got to take care of your body oh, if you're going to be true. doing this work. I mean, yeah, we perform, um, you know, maintenance on our, our vehicles, we perform maintenance on our weapons and everything else, but yet we don't always think about the human aspect of that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when you look at our organization, there aren't a bunch of trucks, there mm-hmm. aren't, you know, tanks and all this, all these other things, so we, you know... We absolutely prioritize our people, and, and that's that's pretty special. The, the other thing I want to throw out there, having been a private back in the day, there is a little bit extra money you do get over here as you go through the, you, you attain other special skills and things of that nature. So if, if those are people are incentivized by receiving a little bit extra money, that's a good thing because that's one of the things that we do provide. And on top of that, coupled with that, should I say, really is we have a financial advisor that we do have over here. That's one of the big things that we want to make sure that we had here in the Ranger Regiment to assist those individuals as they gain extra money. How are they managing it? How do we provide skills to young leaders and um, even older leaders, should I say, on how to manage your money? You know, because we really, as people transition outside the military, we don't want to add into the unemployment market. We don't want to have people who who said, yeah, I spent time in the military, but they left me with this, right? So as we talk from the 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 cognitive side of that, how do we approach people from a behavioral health or holistic health side of the house? We're also looking at it from the financial stability and get people so they can transition early point in their career or end point in their career in, in the right way. Is the op tempo and, you know, the, it's the Ranger mission said, but I mean, is the op tempo within the uh, Army the same as it is within the rest of the regiment? So some people are going to be listening and going, okay, yeah, but the one thing that I'm, not, I'm most concerned about is, Am I going to be deploying a lot more than what I typically would? I'm a married person, and I've got a family, and, you know. Well, well yeah, I noticed everybody looked at me. So <laughs> from, from, from this end, from my take, you know, you know, my thing is our job is to protect the, the nation's interest, right, worldwide. So in that, in that breath, I would say our op tempo is high, higher than the other units, but we're not doing, like, the 
you know, when GWAT started, you had units, a whole division that would deploy for a whole year. Now, does the regiment deploy for a whole year? Yeah, we've been in combat since the 9-11 kicked off, right, since uh, Objective Rhino. So we've steadily been deployed, but we slice our organization out to support the other line battalions. And that is a continuous uh, relationship. Um, but we get our folks the experience, right? So they're getting experiences from a uh, from an intelligence standpoint, folks going overseas to, to, to fight the enemy out there, and then also getting reps back here in the garrison environment to satisfy that. But I'll pass it to the left. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, the, there's no greater place to, to practice intelligence and, and cyber than, than forward deployed. Uh, there is, you know, opt but we manage it. We've been doing it for 20 years and we manage the opt-tempo and, you know, uh, uh, she'd probably be you know, super embarrassed if I talk you know, about my wife on this, but you know, she, when we do get a chance to talk, and we talk often overseas when I'm there, she can say, like, I can tell you're happy. I can tell you're doing your job. We don't waste people's time. You don't sit. You don't play Xbox 20 hours a day and wait for you to come home like you know, I have in you know, previous units. Um, you are busy. It's short. It's high speed, you know, it's top tempo's high, but you know, we'll manage that, but you will do your job uh, and then you'll get home and you'll reset and you'll, you'll take leave and then you'll get back into a training cycle um, and you will feel, you know, fulfilled about being your specific MOS has been value added. Yeah, I don't, I don't have, um, we don't have collectively any of our personnel doing like kitchen duty, gate guard, things that are really outside of their MOS. So if they sign up, you know, if they want to come and do their job, they're really going to get to be able to, to sharpen their knife, so to speak, on the intelligence architecture that we utilize on a daily uh, basis. Yeah. And to be specific, you know, what's the number? If you, if you sp spend, say, I spend one for one month, I spend deployed, I can expect to spend uh, about three months home. It would be the average. Mm -hmm. um, probably that's probably even a little more aggressive than the average. It's probably more of a one month deployed to four months home for most of our folks. And, and obviously, there's exceptions. You could find I could find you someone who just keeps putting their hand up, and he's a single 22 year old, and he just keeps deploying back to back. And, and I have we have to force him to take a little time off for himself here and there. And then there's other folks that have been in you know special circumstances where we're, we say, hey, no, you you have to stay home because you need to take care of your family right now so so we have a lot of flexibility in that as well yeah and i think the the back home you know caring for those that, that don't go forward right so your family members that that's that's a point of emphasis where you know you're you're checking in the, again that community right and and looking after your ranger buddies that's that's one of those aspects where you know you could go forward and we know that hey you know these these folks will be able to cover down and meet any needs that are back there, and it, I think that's a different dynamic when and and not really something that you see as much anymore. But when an entire division or a brigade would go, well, that support network, you know, may, maybe goes, but it probably doesn't, you know, because you have a rear detachment and things like that. But there's always that ranger care network here, 24/7, just as there are rangers forward, 24/7. When I got out of the Army, the, one of the things that I had to learn the most about in the private sector was understanding cost-benefit analysis and return on investment. I think what you guys are describing here is that, you know, when you start measuring your military career and looking at what it is that you want to accomplish, especially within the MOS that we're describing here, MOSs and SET, 
um, you're really then starting to look at the cost-benefit analysis of what, what is it that I'm going to gain? What, what's the long-term benefits here? What are the value that I'm going to get out of it now? And then the longer-term benefits that I can see in the future. And, and I think you kind of hit on a lot of different points about how you're really um, creating a big return on your investment by spending this time within Regiment. And, and I don't hear a whole lot of reasons why you shouldn't. Um, it's more of you should. And, and if you at least give, your, give yourself an option to say, yes, I want to at least try, um, you might find that you're a lot more successful than, than not. And, and, you know, you don't want to miss out and later on go, geez, I wish I would have. You know, especially I hear people that we get messages that say, you know, hey, I am 35 or 36. I wish I was a young man. That sounds like a young man's game. Well, don't sell yourself short. Go. Go try and see. Yeah. Hit the, start typing. Exactly. You know, most definitely. Yeah, I'd argue there's no young men at the table right now, but... You know, we're still here. I didn't want to say that. Yeah. (laughs) But, but, you know, we still get up and we do it every day. So, yeah, absolutely. I I would, I would argue if I didn't, you know, make that decision, CW2, 34 years old, I guarantee you come 20 years and, you know, your career sunsetting and you're looking at retirement, I would definitely have regrets. I would absolutely have regrets because I knew of it. And then I just somehow talked myself out of it. I would, I would absolutely have that regret. No doubt. I appreciate each and every one of you coming in and talking about this and sharing um, not only your personal journey and the way that you guys arrived at this destination, but also just the benefits of being here and why it is so important that this mission needs to continue and you need good people here to to make it do so. And um, again, appreciate you sharing that uh, out to the wider community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Rob, I appreciate your time and, you know, I, I think we have plenty to do another one. <laughs>